All right, you guys, before we get into today's episode, I've got to talk about sponsorship. I know, last time I did this, you guys inboxed me, you guys messaged me, you messaged the page, and you said, hey, I tried to do that subscription that you were talking about, tried to get that product, tried to get that discount, save some moolah, and it didn't work. I know, I messaged, <laughs> I got in touch with them, don't worry about it. We're going to sort it out. But until then, I've got a new sponsorship. Don't worry. I know last time it didn't work. This one is guaranteed to work. Cross my heart and hope to... <laughs> Don't worry. Here we go. New sponsor coming at you right now. You ready for it? Okay. In three, two... Alright you guys, welcome back to Little Man Big Conversations. I am of course the Little Man, James, aka The Flashman. Man, what a week it's been since episode 1. First and foremost, straight off the bat, I just want to say a big heartfelt thank you to you. Yes, you listening. Still like that shirt, it's still my favourite. Not sold on the cufflinks, but that shirt, wow. Oh, and what have you done with those knees? I don't know. I want to say a big thank you to tuning in, downloading, subscribing, following, hashtagging, sharing, reviewing, putting it up in your stories, anything that you had to do to get that podcast out there, following that number one. Man, it's been so heartwarming and humbling, especially during these weird times that we're going through right now across the globe. But you guys took your time out of your busy schedules. You gave me the feedback. Some of you even messaged me on those accounts. You can follow them at lmbc podcast on facebook twitter and instagram you guys sent through your messages i'm really surprised in a good way that it actually seemed to have resonated with you episode one hit the heartstrings some of you took some solace from it it was able to give you some advice man honestly i was just trying to get my story out there hey if it helps you then that's even more valued feedback and i take that as a massive massive compliment but giving the compliment right back to you. Thank you so much for making episode one what it was. At the end of episode one, I put out a poll and I said to you guys, you can choose. You can choose episode two. I like to give back. This is my chance of giving back. Episode two, what do you want me to talk about? Talking about dark times, which happened to coincide with my first relationship, or I can run you through my pro wrestling debut. Man, oh man, was it close. 54 to 46% in favor of today's episode, which is going to be about my pro wrestling debut. Wow, that was a close poll, man. I ain't ever done stuff like this before with a podcast. Putting a poll out there, making you guys choose. You guys were nothing but honest about it. You shared it. You gave me your vote. Hell, some of you even messaged on those accounts that I listed before, at LMBC Podcast. You guys sent through messages saying it was a hard choice to make. A lot of you wanted me to talk about the dark times and relationship, I'm sure I'll make an episode about that down the line. But for today, as requested, we are going to talk about my pro wrestling debut. Oh man, okay, you guys ready for this? Because it's quite a tale. So I started my career in 2008, and I'm still going 12 years later. Well, that'll do it for here at Little Man Big Conversations this week. I hope you enjoyed it. And I'll catch you in the next episode, episode three, coming out every Wednesday. So I'll see you then.
still there? <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to do it. Come on, let's have some fun. All right. Starting off 2008. Now, for those of you playing the home game, which is a great game, I recommend it. Download it. I don't know what the home game is. Don't download it. I don't recommend it. I don't know what it is. It could be a virus. I'm not held responsible. <laughs> I sound like one of those government ads. I'm not held responsible for the video games. So, 2008 is my debut. If you guys remember, if you guys backtrack to episode one, I referenced the fact that I started my career with a guy named Tim who debuted and wrestled under the persona of Blaze. So if we're in 2008, and we get a phone call from Blaze. It's out of the blue. Not that we had anything wrong, but it was just out of the blue. So he rings me up and he says, hey man, do you want to come see wrestling tonight? Quick Google search while I'm on the phone. Zero results for WWE, TNA, nothing in the local area. So man, the wrestling's not on today. What are you, what are you talking about? This is some sort of weird episode of Punked. Um, Ashton Kutcher's going to kick in my door. Surprise, gotcha! <laughs> you thought wrestling was on. Loser! No, nothing like that. So man, I don't know. Uh, there's no wrestling on. What are you talking about? What, what wrestling? He said, no, it's this one, this local one. Uh, it's called Impact Pro Wrestling Australia, IPW. I'm wrestling there tonight. What? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've, I've been training. I've been training for the last couple of months, and I'm, I'm having my debut tonight. You should come along. Wow. Okay, so there I was, Blaze and all his family, and me sitting in probably about the third row of this show. I walk into this building. Man, I had only been used to WWE shows. You sit in those big stadiums, those big arenas, and you're, you know, depending on the seating, even if you're in the front row all the way up to the nosebleed section, you're still pretty far away from that ring. But this, man, this was right up close, front and center. No matter where you sat, you could see and you could feel the action. It was crazy. It was so intimate. I loved it. There was about 300 people there on the first show, and I thought, wow, this must be some sort of cult following. I had no idea this existed. Sure enough, the show kicks off, and about second segment in, maybe, these two comedy characters called Violent Bill and Violent Bob, their tag team name was the Shock Therapy. Violent Bill and Violent Bob came to the ring, and they had requested that kids in attendance come into the ring for an impromptu dance-off dance party. Now, I have never seen anything like this at a wrestling show before. What, what do you mean? There's segments now? There's some sort of dance-off thing? This is all a bit strange. But there was three kids in that ring, and they needed a fourth. There was another kid there, and his dad was sort of trying to usher him up to get him up there and do it. He didn't want to do it. So, uh, yeah, it, it was a case of, like, awkwardly, okay, we, we need a fourth. And Blaze's family, who I was sitting with, all... Like dominoes, tick, 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 all <laughs> looked down the line at me and said, you should go in there and do it. Now, this is, wasn't how I perfectly envisioned my first in-ring experience. I got to tell you, I didn't ever think I'd be in there doing a comedy dance-off segment. That's not really how I... So, how did you guys meet? Oh, we met at a comedy dance-off segment. No, that's... It's weird, right? It's not how you normally start things. But, hey... With a bit of encouragement from Blaze's family, I decided, hey, you know what? They need a fourth kid. Being the height that I am, they're not going to question me about this. If anything, taking away from this moment, if anything, I get to say, hey, I got to be in a pro wrestling ring in front of a live crowd. That's pretty cool. If I never was to do wrestling ever again, I got to tick that off my bucket list. So I decided, yeah, okay, I'm, uh, I'm up for the challenge. 
I can put my hand up and say, yes, I believe I can do this. So I remember I had a Coke can in my hand at the time and I finished off that sugary beverage and I crushed that can and I threw it at the floor and I shot my hand up into the air. Now I'm expecting that kind of Hollywood moment where the spotlight goes on you, everything slows down, I'll do it, and you hear that heartbeat. <laughs> and it happens, right? Time slows down, you make that walk to the ring, people are slow-mo cheering you. Ah, yeah, go you. Ah. Did that happen? <clears throat> no, it did not happen. I'll tell you what happened. I, put, I finished off that drink. That did happen. I threw that can on the ground. I'm not proud of it. I picked it up after. I'm sorry. Shot my hand up into the air and I said, hey, right here, me, I'll do it. They didn't see me. <laughs> I'm not kidding. They didn't see me. Maybe it was because they were wearing masks. Maybe it's because I'm not the tallest cat in the building, but they didn't see me. So I had to do this awkward, like half climbing a chair, sort of weird squat kind of thing. Like you're not really standing up. You don't want to you know, obviously bring attention to yourself like Dead Poet Society. Oh, captain, my captain. Like I didn't, <laughs> didn't want to create a scene like that. So I kind of had to awkwardly, me, me, pick, pick me. Finally, they saw me, got into the ring. And the segment happened. They, they played the music, Fallen Bill, Fallen Bob were dancing along. The kids were having some sort of flail, you know, flailing around those little kids do for their dance moves. And then it got it got up to me. Now, it got up to me last because, naturally, I'm not going to cut into these kids as they're sort of doing the individual one-by-one dance-off things. What am I going to do? Cut in front of a kid saying, I got this, Billy. It's time for me to dance. No, I'm not going <laughs> to I'm not gonna push over a kid just to get my, get my kicks in, as it would. But eventually, I was the last one there, and they told me to do the dance-off. Now, at the time, I had just recently bought this massive big red jacket. Big red jumper, I should say. On the back, it had the Flash logo. The Flash is, to this day, still my favorite comic book hero of all time. But if you had zipped that jumper up all the way to the top, so the zip joined at the bottom like normal jumpers do, but because it was a hoodie, even the hood joined up to the zipper, so the whole thing zipped it up, you were entombed in this jumper. You zipped that jumper all the way up, it showed a picture of a monkey in the Flash suit. It was a crossover item from the company Bathing Ape, and they were doing a crossover crossover event with DC Comics. So I had bought that jumper recently. I was loved it. It was number one. It was warm. Number two, it kept me cool. It kept me hot and cool. How does it know? <laughs> so I wore that jumper in the ring, and they're telling me, "Okay, now it's time for your dance off." So, what do I do? I zip up that jumper all the way to the top and I proceeded to do Michael Jackson's Billie Jean dance. <laughs> yes, complete with vague attempt at moonwalking, but hey, I did it. Little fun fact, never shared this story before, but when I had zipped that jumper up, I couldn't breathe, it was really stuffy. No, <laughs> when I zipped that jumper up, I, uh, I shed some happy tears. I really did. You know that feeling you get when you're very, really happy about something and you're, you're just so excited that you're, you're not obviously crying because you're sad, but it's just like, oh my God, I'm so happy this is actually happening. Wow, wow, wow. Like you're overwhelmed. You're, you're really feeling that joy. You're feeling that love. Yeah, I was doing that inside that jumper. So I had blurry eyes. I couldn't see. I'm hot. I'm stuffy. I'm dancing in a ring with two crazy comedy characters doing Billie Jean. <laughs> yeah, cool. That was my... Uh, 
technically my first time in a wrestling ring, but hey, we all got to start somewhere, right? Two things happened that night. Okay, so I've had the dance off. The commentator was an American guy. He got up from the table after the segment had finished. He said on a live microphone as we're leaving the ring, he said to me, hey, guy in the red jumper. And I quickly stopped and I looked at him and he said, that is by far the greatest thing I've ever witnessed. And he put down the microphone and he quite honestly gave me a standing ovation. He wasn't being sarcastic. He genuinely thought it was entertaining and he liked it. That American man I got to work with on a TV show called The Late Night Show with Scott Black. That was Scott Black. That was technically the first time I've met him. We got to work together on 31 Digital. We did a show called The Late Night Show with Scott Black. We did it for a few years. Man, I love that experience. But hey, it started that night. That was the first time that Scott and I had ever met. And I guess I kind of auditioned for him in a way. The second thing that happened... After the dance-off had finished, I returned to my seat. Blaze's family was, you know, completely complimentary and supportive. Wow, that was so cool. That was so funny. Oh, my gosh. Shortly thereafter, I get uh, I get given by one of the members of staff. I get given a, 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 a jersey, a very, a very big jersey, sort of a thin mesh kind of jersey, but still very large. And uh, they simply said, well done, the dance-off. Here, you've won this. Oh, I didn't even know there was prizes to win. I was literally just went in there for the sake of it. Wow, great. Thank you. I unraveled this jersey and on the front it said WCW Australia. Now you think, oh, was there a WCW Ted Turner version of the WCW brand in Australia? Because that's where my mind went to it at first because I didn't know. No, what it was, was that IPW, when it first started in Australia, was known as WCW Australia. No relation to the Ted Turner brand, but that's its name. I didn't know that at the time. So I thought, hey, wow, some WCW Australia merchandise. This is pretty cool. And on the back of that jersey, it said Cruise 01. Now remember this jersey because I'm going to bring it up later. Okay? So two things happened. I met Scott Black and I won a blue and black WCW Cruise jersey. All right? I'll bring that up later. So shortly thereafter, a few matches happen and then... Bam, there is my high school friend wrestling. He debuts, he has a match with a guy called Ash. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that my friend was actually doing what we said we do in high school. He was running the ropes, he was hitting some strikes, he was getting he was hitting some slams, he was also getting slammed. Ash ended up picking up the win, but hey, my friend had done it. I was so happy for him. We had spoken about this since 2003. Five years in the making we had spoken about this. And he'd done it. He actually went and did it. I was so happy for him. The rest of the show continued. At the main event, the man known as Cruz, who I had just won a jersey from, came out to the ring and had his match. I was so amazed. I was I couldn't get over it. My friend was there. You know, there's main events happening. There's TLC matches. There's comedy moments. Wow, this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. And it's local. I didn't have to go to a stadium. I didn't have to buy, you know, X amount of tickets. I didn't have to queue up with 500 or, you know, thousands of other people, whatever it was that the stadium could hold at the time. I didn't have to queue up and do all that. This was local and it was monthly. It wasn't once a year. It was every month. What? This is nuts. So we're driving home. We're driving home from the show and I'm with Blaze and he's, you know, he's obviously so excited and so wrapped up. And I said to him, Man, I really want to join up with you. 
and he said, "You really should do it. Did you speak? Did you did you speak to the to Hawk? He's the owner." I said, "Uh, no, I didn't speak to Hawk." He said, "Well, did you did you see him?" I said, "Yeah, I saw him." And he goes, "He's intimidating, right?" <laughs> I said, "Yeah." Now, for those of you out there that don't know, um, the the owner's name of IPW, the former owner's name of IPW, was a man named Peter, but we all knew him by his wrestling name, Hawk. Hawk was he was the definition of old school, right? Everyone knows that term, old school, old school's cool, old school rules, things like that. Man, I can guarantee you Hawk had the blueprints for old school. He designed the old school. Like he was that, you know, he was that, uh, how would you put it? He was that experienced with the old school, right? Like he had come up through the vintage ways, through the old ways, and it made him hard as nails. His exterior was very intimidating, man. I'm talking built like an absolute brick house. He had tattoos all over his arms. You know, he looked like an absolute menace. Once you get to know him, though, would have all the time in the world for you. But at that time, didn't know him like I ended up knowing him. Intimidating. I'm four foot ten. This guy could pretty much eat me and use my bones to skip rope, right? <laughs> it was intimidating. So I just, oh, okay. But in the car with Blaze, didn't meet Hawk. We agreed. Yep, I've got to fulfill this. You're doing it. You're doing what we said we do in high school. I've got to fulfill my part. I've got to manage you. I've got to come out to the ringside with you. I want to vicariously live through you, with you. While you're in the ring, I want to live vicariously through you, because I don't know if I'm ever going to wrestle, but I want to make sure that my part still exists, and I want to be your manager. So, a couple of days later, Blaze picks me up. And we head on down to training. Heading on down training. <laughs> um, we get there, and guess who decided to wear the big red jumper? Blaze did, and I told him not to, and he gave it back. No. <laughs> I wore it, right? I wore the big, big red jumper. Why did I wear the big red jumper? I'll tell you why I wore the big red jumper. I wore that big red jumper because I wanted people to know who I was. Ego, ego, ego. I'm safe to admit it. I thought, hey, I don't know if anyone would recognize me down here if I don't wear this jumper. Maybe if I wear this jumper, people will go, oh yeah, that was the guy that did the dance off. Oh yeah, that was pretty funny. You know, I wanted to try and be like, hey, I was that guy that did that thing on the show that everyone laughed at. So you, I'm kind of, you know, I've done something here. Did it help? No, they couldn't give a shit. <laughs> they didn't care who I was. If anything, I probably pissed more people off wearing that big red jumper into a wrestling training facility. What the hell was I thinking? But hey, I was young and I was dumb. Wanted to wear the jumper. It backfired ever so gracefully. So walking into a bunch of frowns from the roster going, oh, who's this kid? And a couple of people going, oh, you know, that sort of looked like, oh, yeah, I know who he is. Walk into this uh, little side office room that was in the training facility. It's where Hawk did all the paperwork for the shows, ran the business essentially out of this little side office room. And Blaze and I enter. Blaze says, hey, uh, hey, Hawk, this is my mate James. He's thinking about signing up. And Hawk spun around in his chair. And he took his glasses off. And immediately he noticed the jacket. And in my mind, at that split second, I'm like, oh, it's working. He's noticing the jacket. Next thing he says out of his mouth... Ah, uh, yeah, the fucking dancer. <laughs> Damn it. Okay, not off to a flying start here. 
but you know, I, uh, I said, I really want to do it. And he said, look, how about you watch this session and see how you feel. And if you like what you see, then next session we'll sign you up. So this one's sort of like a freebie. Just sit in with your friend and just watch what we do. Okay, great. Yeah, fine. That's awesome. So I'm watching what they're doing. Man, it was intense. From the lockups to the drills to the rolls to the bumps to the cardio to the rope work to the corner turnbuckle work to, man, you name it, they were doing it. This was, this was normal training, but this was all brand new to me. And there in my face, all these people of different ages and sizes doing pro wrestling. I wanted to be in there. But hey, that would come later. So the first training session that I witness comes and goes, Hulk comes up to me at the end and he says, hey, you think it's for you? And I said, yes, sir, I, I'm, I'm not swayed. I, I, I want to be here. All right, come back with your friend. Next time he comes to training, you come with him and we'll, uh, we'll sign you up and fill out the paperwork. <laughs> awesome. I'd been accepted. So uh, yeah, it happened. Very next training session that we were able to get to, I went down there, filled out the paperwork, Hawk did a little uh, speech to the roster, said, this is James, he's starting up today, and uh, yeah, get in there and, and start, start, doing, uh, start doing what you want to do. Now, what I wanted to do at that point was I wanted to be a manager. I never thought I would have a place in this ring, and hell, <laughs> some people out there probably still feel like I shouldn't have a place in that ring. That's your own opinion. You keep that to yourself. But as of right now, my opinion of myself was that I wanted to just be a manager. I didn't think I could wrestle in that ring at that size. I just didn't think I had a place for it. I didn't think a guy my size had a place for it. So I stuck to managing. So the wrestling training continued and uh, eventually Hawk said to me, all right, let's do a practice match. Let's have your mate Blaze go in there with, and he picked out a random opponent. And they went through a bit of a practice match. He said to me, all right, while this match is happening, I want you to manage Blaze. Okay. Was it any good? No, no. I was, uh, I was nervous. I had all these new eyes on me. It wasn't just Hawk. It was all the trainees, young and old, new and, uh, new and established, all looking at me because I'm the new kid on the block. They know Blaze. Blaze has been training there for a while. They know whoever he's fighting. He's been there for a while. They didn't know, quite literally, they did not know a little old me. So yeah, I had I had some stage fright. I kind of awkwardly, you know, like trying to tell a girl you like her in high school. Huh? How how are you? Go 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 blaze! Like very porky pig of me. Good good blaze! You know, like <laughs> well, that was kind of Jimmy off South Park. Hey guys, let's go again. Like I was nervous. You know, I couldn't get it out there. I yeah. Did I stink the bed? Maybe. But if the sheets are dirty, I'm not taking responsibility for it. So, yeah, look, it happened. It wasn't the best, but as luck would have it, Hawk saw something in me. And, uh, you know, the match finished. We kind of looked at him for our review, and he said, Yep, all right, uh, James, is it? I said, Yes, sir. And he goes, I like what you're doing. We have a show in three weeks. I want you to manage your friend. Three weeks? I'm gonna I'm gonna debut as a manager in three weeks? I looked at Blaze, Blaze looked at me as if to like, you know, thumbs up, like, yes, it's happening. I couldn't believe it. One session as a manager, man, you're on. You're on there in three weeks, pal. <sighs> what the hell? 
So yeah, so I'm uh, I'm set to debut. I ran home. Well, that would be a bit weird. He blazed drove me there. Be a bit weird to run away on him. See ya. No, <laughs> I got home. Got driven home with Blaze. Got on the front door. Told my family. Messaged all my friends. Hey, I'm debuting. Next training session. Come back in. It was a similar thing. This time though, Hawk says, "All right, have you got a name?" I said, "Oh, sorry, what's that?" He said, "Your name. Have you got a have you got a wrestling name that you want to use?" I said, "Well, uh, hmm, I kind of want to use uh, kind of want to use the name Flash because of that big red jumper, you know, the one I use for the dance off." And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, I know the one." And um, one of the other trainees, um, or I should say, one of the other wrestlers, I should say. Uh, interjected and said, no, no, we can't do that. There's already been a flash down here. Oh, okay. Damn. I'm thinking, oh, no, it's going to be some weird name, like, I don't know, like, Small Fry Phillips or something. You know, it's going to be something height-related. I could just feel it. But I was wrong, and I'm happy to admit that. Because Hulk looked at me and he said, what about Flash Man? I'll be honest, I wasn't sold on it to begin with. <laughs> I, uh, what? Flash Man? Really? Yeah, Flash Man. Originally, it started off as two separate names, Flash Man. Yeah. I know, I know, it sounds weird seeing it and hearing it as two separate individual words. Down the track, ended up, hype, ended up merging it, I should say, into one word. But at the time, Flash Man was the name that I was given. I wasn't sold on it. Like I said, I wasn't 100% happy with it. I thought, oh, I don't know. And yeah, I get to wear the jumper, but uh, yeah. But hey, I went home that night. Naturally, what the hell? I didn't stay there. <laughs> I went home that night and uh, I th thought about the name in my head and I kept saying it out loud to myself. Well, not, you know, out loud screaming like, Flatback! <laughs> Someone damn call the authorities on me if I'm doing that. But I was saying it out loud, like, you know, pretending to do a speech in the ring, saying my name, blah, blah, blah. And eventually, yeah, I got used to it. Three weeks flew past fast. Super, super fast. We are rocking up to the show. This venue that I had just been at a month earlier with Blazer's family, getting in that ring, doing a dance-off... A month later, I am now on this show. Nuts. Could not believe it. Four weeks it took me to get on a show. Couldn't believe it. To this day, still very humbled, very thankful, still cannot believe it happened. Very, very lucky. So we get to the show, and look, naturally, as you when you first start out in any sort of workplace, be it a pro wrestling event, be it a new office workspace, there's people that have either been there for quite some time, or the staff room before you get in there kind of has a bit of a relationship. People know each other, they know what they're about, they've got their individual fields, right? Everyone sort of has a common, uh, yeah, something in common with someone. They, they kind of have familiarity, I should say, with everyone. I knew Blaze, obviously. I knew Hawk because he was my trainer. Uh, I knew Ash because the guy that had beaten up my friend a month earlier was the in-ring trainer. Hawk was the owner. And also was a trainer. Ash was the lead trainer, in-ring trainer for the rookies, which was myself at this point. So, yeah, I kind of got to know Ash, still knew Blaze, but 
everyone else was still sort of hadn't really broken the ice with anyone else. Ash was associated in that time in a tag team called the Lords of Darkness with a guy named Scorn. So I kind of was getting to know Scorn as well via Ash because of the way that he was training and training me and things like that. But again, still didn't really know that many people. So I'm getting my gear ready. Jesus, my gear, my original gear. Uh, If you're looking at the cover art of this episode too, yeah, you know exactly what my gear looked like. But for those of you that haven't seen the cover art yet or are wondering what the hell is that I'm wearing, allow me to demonstrate, allow me to def, allow me to tell you exactly what it is I'm wearing. So as you can see in that photo, I am wearing big red jumper, the jumper where I used for the dance off. I am wearing a white shirt with the same jumper pattern of a monkey in a flash suit on the front, except this was a hologram shirt. I thought it was pretty cool. It was a complimentary shirt that they released for the jumper. I managed to snag it. Hey, got some consistency here now. I wore the biggest, baggiest pair of jeans that I could find. Why? I don't know. But I wore them. (laughs) And I wore some white and black I don't know, athletic boots kind of thing? Yeah, so white and black boots, really baggy, wrapper pants, white shirt with a hologram on it, and the gigantic red jumper. Man, I stuck out like a sore thumb. It was terrible. But just before I'm about to go out there and do the opening segment with my man Blaze, a man by the a man came up to me at the locker room and he said, Hey man, I know you're about to go out there, I know you're nervous. Here. I got you this to wear to the ring. I think it'll suit your character. Wow, so nice. This locker room's like a family. Everyone's just so nice. Like, no one was giving me death stares. Of course, I didn't, like I said, didn't know anyone, but that doesn't mean they're, you know, frowning me or avoiding me. I was just shy and intimidated by the likes of these people. But, man, here's this guy. He gives me this hat, and I'm thinking, wow, what a nice gesture. Yeah, of course I'll wear this, man. It's not like I'm going to deny a veteran of the business, um some adv- some advice or some help when they're going to give it to me. Now you're probably looking at, at that artwork and thinking, please don't tell me it's this hat. For those of you that, again, haven't seen the artwork or are able to see the artwork, allow me to define exactly what that hat was. Was it a baseball cap? Negative. Was it a bowler cap? No. Why would it be a bowler cap? I don't know. <laughs> was it a, a top hat? That would have been dapper. Quite quite dapper, yes. Indubitably, yes. But no, it was not a top hat. The hat that I wore in question was a blue, bright blue, sparkly cowboy hat. The man that gave me that damn hat was was a man named the Sweet Assassin. He pulled a rib on me my first day in the business, and I had no idea. For those of you out there wondering what a rib is, a rib is a prank or a joke. He pulled a prank on me my first day out there in the business, and I had no idea. I thought he was helping me, and I thought, yeah, wow, what a nice dude, woohoo. I went out there for my first match ever, my first segment ever, I should say. There's me wearing the sore thumb-looking clothes and a gigantic, bright blue, sparkly cowboy hat. Yippee, I made it. (laughs) Lady Gaga, eat your heart out. This is the real... Man, this is the real fashion sense right here. So, that was my first debut. I ended up getting booted in the chest by Sweetass. It was planned in the segment, 
roll out the ring, I make sure to grab my sparkly blue cowboy hat, because heaven forbid, don't forget that precious item that a veteran has given me on my first day. God, I'd be in such trouble if I let that, if I'd lose that on my first day on the job. <sighs> if only I knew. Anyway, you live and learn. Later that same night, Blaze has his match. And I'm at ringside with him, we're fulfilling it, still nervous, still wearing that damn cowboy hat. Blaze's match continues, he's fighting a man named Hercules. Halfway, uh, I should say maybe halfway towards the end of the match, Blaze goes for a back suplex, and he drops down and delivers the move. However, just after dropping that move, Blaze uh, withers in pain, rolls over to his side, immediately grabs his ankle, and he's, you know, punching the mat, and he's, he's in, clearly in pain. And it's, it's strange, because his leg wasn't, um, wasn't, worked on, wasn't attacked, wasn't, didn't have moves done to it throughout that whole match. So I'm, I'm wondering, why is he, you know, selling? Why is he acting like his, his leg is hurting here? This is bizarre. Hercules ends up winning the match. We get Blaze backstage and he's in pain. What? What's happening? What? What do you mean? He gets a scan. I think maybe the next day, day after that, results come back. He's, uh, I want to fix up the story, so don't quote me on this, but I remember it was either one or two things. He's either torn a muscle or he's injured a ligament. Either way, it's painful and it's going to sideline him for a little bit of time. Damn. Man, we had just punched this thing into overdrive. We had just started what we said we'd do in high school. Here we were. Yes, debuting. Bang. We've hit the pause. Now what happens? Because you get, remember, I don't want to wrestle at this point. Blaze is my, uh, <laughs> Blaze is my guy. Blaze is the wrestler here. I'm the manager. Without the wrestler, there's no need for me on the show. I didn't know what I could do at that point. Again, this was my debut show. So we get to training. Blaze, uh, I think for a couple of times, Blaze came down with like a moon boot on, but... Yeah, he obviously wasn't training at that point. But um, as I developed in training, I'm in there. At this point, I'm kind of feeling a little confident about getting in the ring at this point. So I've started learning how to bump. I haven't been attacked or taken any moves, but I'm learning the bumps. I haven't even dared touch the ropes yet, but I'm learning how to fall. It was at this point that during like the end of training, I would usually do a bit of an impersonation of certain WWE guys that I could impersonate. Now, I've always been a big fan of impersonations. I love, I love celebrities when they get out there and comedians when they impersonate other people. I always think it's awesome. I've always, I don't know, I've always been drawn to it. I kind of have like a sponge-like personality. Like when I see something or when I hear a quote from a movie or witness a character or when I do cosplay, things like that. I really want to absorb that character that's been on screen, on page, doing an impression. I want to make sure that it's right, as best as I can do it. So at the end of training, I would try and impersonate WWE guys, and I used to impersonate Triple H. And it just so happened that after one session, uh, I was chatting with Ash in the ring, and I started to do the Triple H impression. And Ash, you know, found it hilarious. And there was another female wrestler there called Minx. 
And she also found it just as equally hilarious. And they both agreed, hey, you should def- you should try doing this on the show. Whoa, 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 I don't want to get in the ring. Like, this is all, this is just me being silly. I, uh, I'm just fulfilling something that's pretty cool. I'm in a wrestling ring. I'm doing some Triple H impressions. Yeah, cool. It kind of feels a bit more authentic in my impressions because I'm in a wrestling ring. But no, they, they no, no, you got to do it. You got to do it. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. And they didn't mean it in a condescending, make funny kind of way. They generally thought this is entertaining as all heck. Yeah, I say heck, whatever. Heck, heck off. <laughs> so, they uh, went and got Hawk. Hawk, you got to see this. You got to see this. What, what, what is it? What, what am I looking at? Hey, Flash. Yes. Do your Triple H impression. So, I do the water spray. I do the Triple H move. I uh, think there might have been like a gym bag in the ring, you know, like a punching bag, you know, working out your, your slams and your strikes for other people. Um, and I think I ended up picking up that bag and doing a pedigree. And Ash, Minx, Hawk, rest of the guys and girls in that locker room all sort of, you know, just did a bit of a laugh. And Hawk said, this is great. Do you want to do it on a show? At this point, I got all eyes on me from young guys to established veterans to the owner of the company all going, you should do this. And this, this, ladies and gentlemen, was that Hollywood moment I was thinking of when I first put my hand up for that dance off. Now I'm having it. Heartbeats going. Spotlight. It's on me. All eyes are on me. This is your shot. As Eminem said, one shot, one opportunity. Had I said no, man, who knows where I would have ended up. But at that moment, I quickly... Uh, uh, yes. All right, next show you're doing that. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Next show? What? I just, I just started managing. Now you want me in the, okay, you want me in the ring. I trust you. I'm freaking out. Naturally, I'm freaking out. As you can tell, I'm still going through puberty. Heck off. I'm freaking the hell out. But it happens. Following month, I get out there. I quite literally just impersonate Triple H. I find a Triple H t-shirt. I put some track pants on. I wear my... Hey, my white and black boots. I put a towel around my head. I come out to Motorhead. Time to play the game, all that. And Blaze is accompanying me to ringside. So we've swapped the roles one month in, one month out. I end up versing Blaze's former opponent, Hercules, at ringside. He has a man by the name of Kelso Cajones. Yes, for those in the wrestling business, yes, the same one. So we do the match. It was rough, man. I was, uh, yeah, I was nervous as all heck. But, hey, we got it done. Hercules got the W. I, but I'd done it. I'd had my first wrestling match. What the hell? Two months earlier. Didn't even know I could do anything. Signed up on a whim, was motivated, was encouraged by my friend, got the nod, managed first month in. Month later, now I'm in there wrestling. <sighs> what is happening? So I get back to training, my first match has happened. There was this glass cabinet that at training held 
all the previous accomplishments that the company had been through, from old flyers to trophies to championships, you name it, it was in that cabinet showcasing what a legacy that company had at that point. It's going on to do bigger and better things now, but at that point, man, a lot of history right there. And I had noticed in that cabinet there was a small, tiny belt, and it was red leather with a gold trim, and on the back it was like brown fur. Yeah, I know, brown fur, like on the inside of the belt, so it's fur like that's seated against your stomach where you got it around your waist. But I couldn't get my eye off it because it was the same color pattern as me. And I thought, man, that would be, you know, what's this belt used for? What was this? Why is this sitting in there? That's not doing anything. So I quizzed a few of the veterans about it. I said, oh, what was this belt? And they said, oh, that was a belt that we used at one stage for, uh, I think it was either a placeholder belt or it was used temporarily as the women's championship. But the plaque on the belt was not engraved. So you couldn't tell what it was. But that had what but that was what it had been used for in the past. Oh, okay. But every session, you know, I'd train and I'd go through it all and on the way into training and on the way out of training, I would always look at that belt. And eventually Hawk caught my eye of me looking at that belt. And he says, What are you looking at? I said, I'm just looking at your belt in here. He said, which one? I said, oh, it's this red and yellow one. And he goes, what red and yellow one? Bring it to me. So I open up the cabinet. I get the belt out very gingerly, of course, and hand it to Hawk. He says, oh, yeah, this belt. And he looks at me and he goes, oh, it'd suit you, wouldn't it? And I said, well, from a color standpoint, yeah. And he goes, what would you do with it? I said, well, I'd, I guess I'd come out to shows with it. You know, just as like a color thing. I said, because I don't know if I'm... If I'll ever win a belt here, I said I've done my impressions, but I, I didn't, I didn't think I'd ever win a championship. You know, again, like I'm four foot ten, I'm I'm doing impressions of WWE guys. You know, I don't know if anyone will ever take me seriously. I didn't even think I had a place in that company, let alone in that ring. So, uh, hey, I thought if I get to come out with a little prop belt, that would be kind of cool because I don't know if I'll ever win one properly. But having a little, you know, little accessory to ringside isn't too bad. Before you know it, that uh, Hawk said, all right, cool. Yeah, we're not doing anything with it. You know, take it out there. It matches your color anyway. Awesome. Uh, I don't know how long in my career that was, but it was definitely within the first, I want to say, first six months. And uh, yeah, he just allowed me to take it out there. That belt ended up being known... First, it was known as the Flashmatic Championship, and later down the track, it was used as the IPW's rookies belt. So young guys that were coming up, they could, before getting into the proper contendership of the Cruiserweight, the South Pacific, and the Heavyweight belt, they were allowed to compete for what was then rebranded as the rookies belt. So by this stage, Blazers recovered. It's been a couple of months now, and Blazers recovered. So it's time, of, uh, it's time for us to team up and take the fight to Kelso and Hercules. So we team up, and we have our first tag team match together. Kelso and Hercules isolate me. They're working me over, trying to piss off Blaze. Blaze eventually comes in. I can't remember who gets the W. I think it was Kelso and Hercules again. I'm not too sure. I, I just remember them doing something. But yeah, I, I feel like it was them maybe. I'm not sure. At the end of the match, 
Kelso and Hercules are in there. They're beating us up. This young man then comes running from the from backstage, jumps over the leaps over the top rope, rolls in the ring, starts delivering an offense. Kelso and Hercules go scattering to the back. That man's wrestling name was Fury, and his real name was Glenn. Now Glenn is a the longtime best friend of Blaze. Real life. Shoot, real life. And they also had their own individual wrestling dreams that they wanted to accomplish together. Glenn had moved up from wherever he was previously. Now the wheels were in motion. Now the tag team idea of these two guys winning tag team gold was starting to become a reality. These two wanted to win tag team gold. I was managing the boats of them. On that day, Blaze and Fury, the Rogues, that was their name, the Rogues, was born. The Rogues and Flashman. Within, man, I'm saying close to two months after that, the crowd was just into us. They really bought into the concept of the rogues. They really liked little old me running around with my gigantic red jumper at ringside. It just worked. I continued to impersonate WWE superstars for a while. In that tag match, I impersonated Stone Cold Steve Austin. I did a Halloween show the following month against an opponent called Spider Sam, who would later be known as Sal Capone. I impersonated The Undertaker. There is a brief snippet of footage out there. I don't know if I have the full match anymore, but there is a brief snippet of footage out there where I perfectly hit, and don't worry, I was safe, but I perfectly hit Spider Sam with the Tombstone pile driver. This dude was way, way, way bigger than me, and I managed to hit that move. I will try and find a photo of it, try and find that snippet of that clip, and I'll put it online lmbc podcast so if you are hearing this episode hit those social media links up video if not the photo should be on there so yeah the we get into 2004 oh no sorry 2009 i'm jumping way ahead 2009 now uh i start developing my own version of the flashman character obviously you can't do impressions forever they're fun but hey you know they get stale quickly it's like that person at the party that just keeps doing that sort of weird kooky thing for like four hours and you're like yeah we get it <laughs> yeah but how about this guy yes we get it yeah but did you get a load of this guy we get it you know it's like that thing where it's just kind of starting to wear thin and although it might have been you know six seven months even i'm starting to think hey man you know i can't be coasting on this uh I can't be coasting on, on this forever. So a lot of things happened in 2009. I'm starting to develop my own character. I start having my own individual matches. I've been training. I've been taking the bumps. I'm learning the moves. I'm starting to actually get confident in that ring, whether it was the exposure of being out there managing, whether it was the guidance of the trainers there, whether it was the people that I was working with, taking care of me, looking after me. I don't know what it was, man, but collectively most likely collectively it was helping had my confidence up there had my uh had my first run of matches one of the matches that i remember very early in my early on in my career in 2009 was a hardcore match yeah i'm doing hardcore matches it was a hardcore match against a man named mystery better known today in the wrestling world as tim cade i've known that man since i started and I'm very, very happy to still call him one of my best friends in the business to this day. But yeah, I'm having these hardcore matches. I'm developing my own character. Still got the baggy pants. Still got all the same gear. But I'm starting to develop my own identity. 
just as this is happening. Blaze and Fury, having a storyline feud with Ash and Scorn, end up finally winning the IPW Tag Team Championships. They had done it. They had now finished their high school dream. Their childhood dream, even. Maybe even their boyhood dream. Of winning tag team goals in an official wrestling company. Here's something I never saw coming. After they had won their belts, which was, you know, still to this day. I'm getting goosebumps right now. You can't see it. And I'm glad you can't. I'm wearing a shirt you probably don't like. But (laughs) I've got goosebumps on my arm. Remembering that time, being in that place, seeing that moment firsthand. And just feeling so happy for my new, for, for Glenn, for Tim, for Blaze, for Fury, for the Rogues, for winning and fulfilling their dream of winning championship gold together. However, what I didn't see coming, shortly after winning their championship, the two of them decided that they wanted to leave. Nothing had happened. No one had treated them badly. They weren't hurt. They had done what they set out to do, and they wanted to leave. Uh, I didn't want to. Although we're a package deal, I didn't wish to leave at that point. I was, like I said, I was starting to develop my identity. I was starting to get a bit of a shuck and jive, if you will. I don't know what that means. I just felt like saying it. I was developing a jive and shuck. Saying it backwards didn't help. But I was developing my own personality, and I, I was starting to get on a bit of a roll here. I was starting to feel confident. I, I wanted to stay. I don't want to go. So they asked me. They said, what do you want to do? You want to come with us? Where do you want to stay? And I took a moment, and I said, I'm staying. Yeah. I want to stay. And I could tell from the reaction of them, they were a little bit, you know, cut, a little bit hurt. Not to the point of crying and begging or anything like that, but you could tell, oh, okay. But almost to the same reaction. They were cut, but they got it. They understood. So I stayed. Shortly thereafter, we changed venues. IPW changes venues. We start operating out of the training facility that we had. Now, Do you remember how I was telling you about that jersey? Good. Because this is where it comes into play. We fast forward to, I think, um, I want to say the middle, maybe the end of 2009. And I'm I'm in the locker room. And it's just Cruz and myself. The reason it's just Cruz and myself was because everyone else smells. No, <laughs> the reason it was just Cruz and myself was because the rest of the roster was around ringside for what's called the Lumberjack match. For those of you that don't know, a Lumberjack match is where a bunch of wrestlers surround the ringside area. Two or more people fight in the ring. If you get thrown out, the people at ringside can beat you up and throw you back in. So all the roster was out there for a Lumberjack match. I'm sitting there with Cruz. At this point, man, I still haven't really sat down and spoken to Cruz. He was intense AF in that ring. 
but I'd never, you know, really struck up a conversation with him. What am I going to talk to him about? Hi, man, I started training. Cool. Well, good chatting to you. Like, there was nothing we could resonate on. But I took the opportunity. Now, Cruz wears a mask in that ring. And I'd always wondered what his version of his mask was made of. Because it wasn't like the traditional wrestling masks that you see and have probably, if not seen them in real life, you've seen them in probably movies or in some sort of media, either with a drawing or whatever. Like, you, you know what I mean when I say rest, Mexican wrestling mask. It wasn't like that. So I decided to break the ice and talk to him about wrestling by asking what his mask was made of. And he threw his mask to me, and I dropped it, and I apologized. No, I caught it, and I'm feeling the fabric. And it was like a lycra mesh kind of hybrid. And I thanked him, and I returned the mask, and I thought, okay, well, I've kind of broken the ice and went back to doing what I was doing. He then says to me, hey, mate, you know, you can wear it out to the ring if you want. What? I looked back at him, I said, oh, what? What do you mean? He said, yeah, no, I've got another one. Yeah, go on, do it. Be a bit of fun. I said, oh, uh, Cruz, I, I wasn't, <laughs> I, that's not what I was alluding to, but uh, are you sure? Yeah, yeah, go on, do it. Have a bit of fun. Okay. So I got the chance to wear Cruz's original silver and black mask to that ring. I wrestled in it. Man, I don't know how he does it because <laughs> it's a different world wearing a mask when you wrestle. But hey, he does it, man, and he does it amazingly. Come back after the match, I return his mask to him. He said, how was that? I said, yeah, it was definitely different. He said, yeah, I know. Tell you what, bloke, I've got a match tonight. Uh, how about you wear that with me at ringside? What? Uh, sh you sure? Yeah, yeah, go on. Let's, let's have some fun. Okay. That was the first show that I got to accompany and watch firsthand. Not behind the screen, not on a monitor, not behind the curtain, firsthand. Sitting there, quite literally, at the side of the ring, watching crews operate. Man, I learned so much from that man. This very next month that comes up was the debut of my second character called Muse, M-U-Z-E, which is the name Mini Cruise mushed together. Mini Cruise, Muse, Cruise and Muse. The second I knew I had that character, what did I find? Yeah, you're damn right. I went and found that blue jersey that I'd won close to two years ago now, went and grabbed it. Took it to the show. We're getting ready for the match. I pull out the blue and black jersey. I said, hey, look at this. The crew says, what the hell would you find that? I said, I won this in 2008 when I did that dance-off. One member of staff came up and gave it to me as a gift. He goes, oh, that was you? I said, yeah, that was me. And he says, man, I always wonder where that went. Oh, glad it went to you. Oh. <laughs> I love the man and uh, I'm happy to report that Mini Cruise is still alive and well today. Shortly after that, I developed my first championship run. I win the IPW Cruiserweight Championship. Man, everything's coming in perspective now. 
I'm feeling it. I'm winning my first official title. The Flashman title has been given to some other young guys that are coming up through the ranks. I have my first official title. Wow. Crazy. I won my first official belt. We head into a situation. So I win the, I win the belt. I drop the belt. And a situation comes up. A situation comes up that involves me, that involves mini crews, and involves the then current IPW heavyweight champion. Hawk was looking to change up a, a match. Cruz was having a bit of a program, a bit of a consistent back-to-back matches with the current champion. He was coming up short. Each and every time he was in that ring against the champion, couldn't win the belt. Hawk wanted to change it up. Hawk wanted to have uh, a surprise factor, if you will. Someone different to win the belt from the champion. And Hawk wanted pretty much both of my characters, one or the other, to win it. Uh, I said, I don't feel comfortable with either of those decisions. I said, I'm, I'm definitely not in the place to be the spokesperson for this company with the heavyweight title, and I feel really bad if Mini Cruz was to win this championship because Cruz has just come off a three or four match streak here where he's just losing. And I, didn't, I just didn't want to upset the powers that be, you know? Like, sure, it's Hawk's company, but Cruz has given me that character. I just didn't want to upset him because I didn't know what would happen. Oh, hey, mate, uh, yeah, because you've been losing four weeks in a row, uh, I'm going to win the belt now. It just didn't feel right to me, and I just felt icky. The whole thing just felt icky to me. And I said to Hawk, you know, naturally, man, uh, that's just how I feel. Obviously, uh, those are just my concerns, but I don't, you know, I'm not – trying to change anything here that's just my two cents uh we have the pre-show meeting and hawk announces that myself aka flashman character was going to win the heavyweight title now you think wow dude two years in the business and you're winning heavyweight title that's awesome no no it wasn't awesome uh because one and the main reason was i felt a million daggers staring right at me the whole roster I could just feel it I could feel the tension in the air I could feel everyone's mood change it just didn't feel good because I could tell from their perception that I looked like I got in Hawk's ear and tried to change the show and whatever I didn't do that I'd never do that I love and respect Hawk no I had no idea that it wasn't even a thing but no I didn't do that and that was a complete blindside to me and obviously a complete anger-related blindside to the rest of the roster. But the show went on. We did the angle. I think I ended up locking the champion in some stockades on the, uh, the, at the side of the ring. Yeah, there were stockades there. Just roll with it. I'm not making this up. This is, that's not a joke. They had stockades. So we locked him in there. I got back in the ring. Referee counted 10. Hey, new heavyweight champion. Me. Ah, man. About a week later, I think at this point now we're doing weekly shows. So about a week later, it gets written into the program that I have to give the belt back. I didn't win the belt. It was a technicality. For those of you that don't know, for some wrestling fans out there, they probably know already. But for those of you that don't know, if you're in a championship match, you can win the match via countout, but you will not win the championship. You cannot win a championship via a countout. I had locked the then champion in the stockades. I'd gone back into the ring, hit the count of 10. Hey, I'd won the belt. No, 
I had won the match, but I had not won the belt. So I gave the belt back, and I was hitting the reset button. I had to start at the bottom of the tier and work my way up again. Shortly thereafter, I re-won the Cruiserweight title. I was in my second reign, and we head into a show called IPW Wild and Reckless. The reason it was called Wild and Reckless was there was a bunch of junkyard cars. Yeah, real junkyard cars. I don't mean some Fisher & Priceall discarded toddler toy. I'm talking real cars. Parked at ringside, you could use them as weapons. Now... I don't mean drive them around like some sort of SmackDown vs. Raw video game, but hey, if you want to scoop plam your opponent into the front windshield, technically legal. So we do Wild and Reckless, and at this point, it's probably mid to late 2010, I'm in a lot of pain. We were doing weekly shows at that point. I think we are even possibly training four days a week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday off. Saturday, do the show, Sunday off. On the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Rinse and repeat. Weekly shows. Little, My little body just couldn't take it at that point. I just, no, it was way too much for my, for my, for me physically, for my body. So we did the Wild and Reckless show. And before the show, I, I approached uh, Hawk privately and I said, Hawk, um, I think I need to take a break. And Hawk said, why? And I said, well... Um, I'm really into picking my nose. No, I'm just kidding. I did that as a test. I wanted to see if you're listening. If you're acted a WTF-like, then you're paying attention. I appreciate it. But, um, yeah, I was really into picking my nose. No, got you again. <laughs> no, I was really into picking... No, I'm just kidding. I was really... Um, I was in a really in a lot of pain. I said, I, I, I can't get up in the morning. It, it's just hurting a lot. And I can't perform to the ability that I know I could. I shouldn't have to tell Hawk, the man that developed and built the old school, just how much pain is involved in wrestling. This man had been wrestling in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and now we're in the early 2000s. He knows the physical pain with wrestling. He knows firsthand. I didn't need to describe my pain. He was probably feeling it tenfold. But the decision was made. I dropped the belt, and I left. I left for about two weeks. I came back, I trained extra hard, I was feeling much, much better, and I shortly thereafter win my final reign with the IPW Cruiserweight title. Now, we head into the famous reunion show. During this time, I had started to teach myself Photoshop. I was still at university at this time, doing my film degree, so I'm editing on the side, I'm doing my film degree, but I'm also starting to get a bit creative with Photoshop. Ergo, I started making poster designs for the IPW shows. So I make the banners and I made the poster for the IPW reunion show. This show was arguably one of the best IPW shows that have been produced. From a personal standpoint, I felt so amazed to be a part of that locker room because there was all these guys from WCW Australia, which I referenced earlier, MIW Australia, which was Major Impact Wrestling, which is what WCW Australia turned into, and from current day IPW, which is what Major Impact Wrestling turned into. So it went from WCW to MIW to IPW. Pretty much three different incarnations of IPW were in that building for this one show. I had been given 
the VHS tapes to the major impact shows at that point. Because of my film degree, I was learning how to convert media, things of that nature. So I offered, I said, hey, if you've got any old VHS around, I'd be happy to put it on DVD. Hawk allowed me to take the MIW videotape library, converted it to DVD, and I got to experience and watch some of the old school matches. I met guys like Jethro. I met guys like BJ Blade, Mason Childs, Island Boy Psy, Dallas. Names that I was watching through these tapes were now there, live and in living color, were available. It was nuts. It was like the Oscars of wrestling for me at that point. It was great. Did I talk to all of them? No. Was it cool to see him? Hell yes, it was cool to see him. So 2011 happens. I'm starting to get a bit more involved in the production side of things now. I'm doing, uh, I'm doing more of the posters. Uh, I'm working on some entrance videos. And I think I'm even doing, cleaning up a bit of the audio, people's entrance music. You know, I'm getting high quality files of their songs and cleaning up their audio. I'm, it, hell, I'm even making some audio for some of the people. So we changed venues. We've changed from the training facility and we changed to a PCYC, which is where we held the reunion show. Next venue changed to where IPW currently is now, at the William Duncan State School Hall. I had finally got some proper wrestling gear. <laughs> I know, the white shirt, the baggy jeans, how could I not? It taken me that long to finally work out some proper wrestling gear. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. It was the first incarnation of the biggest little man mantra that the Flashman character currently lives by. So it was... Uh, Flashman singlet, baggy, I know, sorry, baggy pleather, red and yellow, red pants, red pleather pants with a yellow lightning bolt down the side, and some bathing ape, red, white, and yellow Flashman shoes. Again, crossover with bathing ape and DC Comics. So yes, those shoes on the ankle had that same monkey in the suit, that little logo sitting on the ankle. At this point, the return of the Flashmatic title happens. I bring that belt back. It's uh, gone through some renovations, thanks to Minx and her lovely husband, Nick XL. They renovate it for me. They redesign it. And I bring it out to the ring. Not long after that, I got to work with one of the WCW, MIW, IPW originals, BJ Blade. BJ Blade approached me during training he said, hey, mate, just letting you know, I've got to prove from Hawk, we're going to go into a program together for the South Pacific Championship. Now, the South Pacific Championship was a belt that was, I think it was an agreement between IPW Australia and IPW New Zealand, where the champion that was holding that belt would defend it in both IPW Australia and IPW New Zealand. Cool concept, right? So that belt was on the line against BJ Blade. So we had a series, I think, of maybe two to three matches. And the first match went for all of about five minutes and I hit him with my signature moves and I'd won the South Pacific Championship. We did it as a big shock, an awe, big surprise. It worked. Place went crazy. Hey, I had now won the South Pacific Championship. I'd won the Cruiserweight, I'd won the South Pacific Champion and for technically a week, I was the Heavyweight Champion. Whoa, that's a, that's a lot in four years. However, with the venue change comes more production. Now we're filming the shows, so I start doing the DVDs. 
We have a screen. I'm doing the entrance videos. I'm doing the posters. I'm doing the audio, fixing up the audio, like I said before. And I'm also taking photos of the current day roster and making them their own individual A4 poster to sell for merchandise. Was I asked to do this? No, I was not asked to do this. Did I offer to do this? Yes, because I was proactive. I wanted the company and I wanted everyone involved with the company to succeed. And I felt any way to get us to succeed even more than we already were by using what I was studying at that time or what I had just recently finished studying, what I had recently graduated from, I felt I needed to help out more. I just felt like I wasn't doing enough. So I opted to do pretty much all of the production. The very next month after winning the South Pacific Championship, I lose it to another up-and-comer. And it was around this time where I was just feeling really burnt out from both ends, both creatively and as a person. I was going through some real hard times with my current relationship at that point. And professionally with IPW, Hawk and I were just butting heads. Nothing personal, but it was just from a creative standpoint. There were things that I thought would be interesting to do. He didn't see it that way. There were things that he wanted to do, and I wasn't completely sold on it. So it wasn't an ideal communication process back then. I've, looking back on it now, if I hadn't burnt myself out, if I just released the slack a bit, or if I had said, hey, you know, I can't do this bit anymore, I probably would have been able to handle things a lot better. But hey, everything's better in hindsight, right? So because of my attitude at the time, because of what I was dealing with my personal life, because I was burnt out professionally, and because now I'm arguing with a man that I've just spent five years of my life with, who, who appreciated me, and we both love and respected each other very, very much, we were arguing a lot. And it hurt, and it sucked. And I didn't want to do it anymore, and I opted to leave. So I did. And it was terrible. I felt lost. I thought a huge part of me at that point was gone. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. Do I keep wrestling? Is that it? Five years? Been there, done that, gone? Do I just do something with my film degree now? Is that what happens? I felt like it, it had played such a huge role in my life. I had missed birthdays, weddings, engagements, family, social events to do the shows. That's the sacrifices you make when you do live pro wrestling shows. You've got to miss out on those important moments. But hey, you signed up for it. Those are the breaks. But yeah, I, I left IPW. I left home. And for a long, long time, I was not allowed back to perform. I was allowed to come and watch, but I was not allowed back. It was terrible. And to top it off, my girlfriend at the time also left. So yeah, once again, personally and professionally, I'm at that, stand I'm at that standpoint now where I go, what do I do now? I'm no longer feeling burnt out and uh, 
I don't have the pressure or the fights from either Hawk or from my partner at that time. But now I'm really alone. Where do I go from here? I'll tell you where I go from here. I'm going to leave it there. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I know I had to take it down that serious road. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I sucked you in. If the, if the waterwork came out, the tears came out, if I pulled up the heartstrings. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I gotcha. <laughs> it's all true. None of this is fabricated. It's all true. But hey, that's episode two in the can. I thought I'd take you through my first stint in IPW from 2008 to 2013. I hope you enjoyed that little section of my debut, how I went from a comedy dance-off segment to creating the Flashman character and personating WWE guys, to having my own personality, to creating mini crews alongside crews, all of which spun off from day one. Man, we are only just cutting the surface of my wrestling career. I hope that was enjoyable for you. Hey, tell you what's going to be even more enjoyable than you guys sitting through this episode. If you like and subscribe and follow the Little Man Big Conversation Facebook, Instagram, and yes, on Twitter. Again, I should just say as well before we wrap up this episode, thanks to you in the week that's been since the first episode. We were only on Podbean on the first day. You guys were really devoted. You downloaded the app. Thank you for doing that. You are able to stream the episode. You gave me your feedback. It resonated with you. I love you all. Thank you very, very much. However, now, not only are we on Podbean, we are on Spotify. We are on Google Play. And yes, we are indeed on Apple Podcasts. Everywhere you get your podcasts, the main directories for podcasts, now host Little Man Big Conversations. So, there is no rhyme or reason as to why you cannot tune in to episode 3. Episode 3, I'll give you a sneak peek right now, will be the first of many interviews to come on this podcast. Yes, it's not just going to be about me and my stories. I'm going to interview some of the people from my stories. Some I may have referenced already, some I may not. Some you're meeting for the first time, some you've already heard about before. But hey, it's going to be a wild ride. I'm excited for it. I hope you guys come back for it. Will there be more episodes about me and my stories? You're damn right. I still got to do the stuff about the dark times and first relationships. I will do a wrestling part two. Hell, there may even be a part three. But until next week, thank you for being loyal. Thank you for tuning in for episode two. I'll catch you every Wednesday. And I'll see you down the road. Thanks for tuning in.